Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Burhini from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine, and I have a cold today. She does. <laughs> it's taken us a while to get together because she's been trying to get over her sickliness, and I don't want her here anyway. Yeah, last week there was no voice at all. Last week would have been a very funny podcast. It would have been me talking and, and her whispering me in the whispering. background. No, 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 and she'd be writing stuff down. So today we're going to talk about rough dog play, or dog play, but we'll probably focus on rough dog play. Right. Because that's, of course, most dog play goes uninterrupted yeah. unless it's disturbing in some way. So did you want to start? Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, people ask me what's okay for their dogs, you know, if, if their dogs are playing a lot or if they take their dogs, like, to a dog park or to a friend's house and there's a dog and their dogs are playing, they ask me, what is okay? When do you stop it? When do you step in and stop it? For me, I go more by sound. I don't even go by visual that much. I go by sound, and it's like if I turn my back to the dogs or if I close my eyes, if the hair on the back of my neck starts to stand <laughs> That's a pretty good clue that you need to stop it. That's a difficult thing to teach other people, however. I know, I know. So let's try to get a little <laughs> bit more sustainable. right. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, and actually, you know, because my dogs are not really that vocal when they play, mm-hmm. sometimes their play gets out of control when, and they're not being that loud about it. But I'm not talking about vocal loud. I'm talking about, I mean, you can, yeah. There's it's an edginess like a, to the sound. I understand. Yeah, like like the nails I on understand, the pavement. But I'm a little the, concerned the, for people who don't yeah, know that course. stuff. So the thing is, how I tell people to judge it is, if it makes you uncomfortable, go ahead and stop it. Just don't mm-hmm. stop it in a panic mode. Yeah. So if it makes you uncomfortable, that's good enough for me, for you to say that's enough. But you don't have to say that's enough in Russian and be really hyper and crazy about it, because then you lend your high emotion to whatever is going on. So if it's normal dog-to-dog interaction that just made you uncomfortable, now you've made it seem like it's abnormal. And if it is edgy interaction, you've added your bad juju to it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that word, juju. (laughs) No, I do too. (laughs) But you've added that that emotion to it, you know, and I think that then it is more likely to become problematic as you go along. So when I'm watching dog-to-dog interaction, if I see that one dog seems uncomfortable, that will make me stop. Now, the problem with teaching that to other people is I'm a dog trainer, so I see a lot of signals that a dog gives out that maybe my clients wouldn't pick up that says the dog is sending out calming signals and is trying to slow it down because he's not comfortable. So what you want to watch for is something that gets over the top, and you want to really, I agree, turn on to your senses and tune into, instead of watching and getting wrapped up in watching it like it's a movie, because it's fun to watch. Dog play is fun mm-hmm. to watch. And I think people get wrapped up in it, and they watch it like it's an entertaining movie. Instead of watching it, but listening and sort of tuning in with their gut and just picking up on on what is the attitude of the dogs here. And also what you can do is... If you think that one dog is being harassed or being bullied, if you separate them and you hold on to the dog that you think is being more aggressive, if the other dog walks away and says, oh, thank you for that, 
then you know that he was done and he was actually trying to get away. But a lot of times you're holding back the one that you thought was being really aggressive and the other dog's going, what are you doing? Let him go. I want to play some more. And that will let you know what was going on. Right. A lot of times that happens. I see that with other people. They'll they'll stop it and the other dog is going, no, no, I want to play. I want to play. Yeah, that was fun. I was having fun. One time, this was back when Hitch was a baby, and Hitch is probably four years old now, there was another trainer that I had the opportunity to be around because of a situation, and she had a young dog that was about his age, and the dog started to play. And she stepped in and got really heavy-handed with her dog, way Mm. more heavy-handed than I mean, I had to walk away. It really pissed me off. But that aside... That's a good story for you and I to have rather than have it on a podcast. <laughs> um, I can't wait. But honestly, Hitch, my dog, who was the one that she felt her dog was being over the top with, Hitch was totally still bouncing and jumping and saying, hey, that was really fun. And he was just getting started. There was nothing in his body language that said even a little bit that he was concerned about what was happening. And I didn't see anything in her dog's body language, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Just looked like puppy play to me. And young puppies sort of have to learn from each other about how to stop. Yeah, what's okay, what's not okay, what's going to hurt, what is going to irritate the other dog to the point of... Right, when they're babies, they're learning about picking up signals. They're they learning about what those signals mean. So sometimes allowing that to unfold a little bit, if there isn't a huge disparity in size or age or temperament type. I mean, I wouldn't put a really outgoing puppy with a really shy puppy and not be pretty careful about where the the play went. But if you don't have a huge disparity in those things, then you have dogs that are pretty evenly matched and who are probably going to learn pretty important lessons from each other. And in fact, they're rolling forward the lessons that they were learning with their litter mates. And so in a situation like that, I'm disinclined to even get involved with very young dogs when there seems to be a really good matchup. Mm-hmm. Because even a dog, even like for dogs that are under six months or under eight months, let's say, even a dog interaction that they get mad at each other can be very informative and can be a real great learning experience. Right. Even best friends on the playground get into arguments. Mm-hmm. They can be playing one minute and then somebody gets their feelings hurt and then they turns into a squabble. But then they're still best friends. I have um, two female Aussies. And I call them the little bitches. I didn't say that. But they are. They're bitches because they're girl dogs. And you know what? They will, as opposed to the boys, the boys will get upset with each other and, ah, and then they want to stop it. The girls get mad and go, you did not do that to me. Right. <laughs> but in all honesty, as long as it's appropriate and they let it go, they don't mm-hmm. keep pushing, 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 pushing. And as long as they're with dogs that they know well, they would need to know a dog well before they push that hard. They're kind of chickens, so they don't anyway. But it's a really important learning thing for the dog that is on the receiving end of that to know, hey, you pushed too hard, and I told you to stop it, and you didn't listen, and now I'm pissed at you. <laughs> and as long I'm as just I'm just gonna, and I'm just gonna smack you upside the back of the head. So that's there, right. stupid. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I told you you were playing too rough. <laughs> but that in and of itself is not a problem. Let's talk about dog play that's likely to become a fight, a true right. fight. Well, you know. One thing that I had a client to do once was, because the dogs didn't play that rough when I was there, but mm-hmm. they would 
when I wasn't, obviously. And so I had her videotape it because it was a young big dog and an older, also big dog. But the young big dog had started to become a bully. And so by having her videotape it, I could show her where to stop it because she didn't know when to step in and stop it because it had gotten to the point where the older dog was was kind of getting injured right. because it just got, you know, because the, the younger dog didn't take the older dog's word for it that she was serious about really I, I, I want you to stop it. And she didn't have it in her to stop it herself. And so the client would step in and stop it, but only after it got way out of hand. Right. So she videotaped After it. After someone got hurt, in other Right, words. exactly. Yeah. And so she videotaped the whole thing for me, and I showed her from the beginning. You know, I went through it, and I went, oh, look at that right there. You're, the dog was doing what, what's called an agonistic pucker, which is basically nasty face. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean showing really... Her, she wasn't snarling, but it's more the lips come forward and the nose wrinkles right. up. Right. I mean, everything around this dog was really forward, but still the younger dog was not paying attention to it. And so I was able to show the client that's what that was. And then we rewound the videotape and I was able to show her when I would have stopped the play. And it turned out it would have been about 30 seconds into it. And, you know, that is not a bad tool for people to learn how to become better at doing this is to both audio tape and videotape dog play so that they can watch it. Because you would be surprised how much you see when you're watching a videotape or listening to an audio tape, how much you hear, when you're not involved and engrossed in the actual play. So at the time that it's happening, people get kind of swept away in the fun of it. And mm-hmm. that happens a lot. But when you take it to the place of watching it on a screen or watching it on a, on a camera or listening to it, Suddenly you're picking up on the subtle nuances. You're really picking up on the And it seems to go more in slow motion, too. Mm -hmm. When it's happening, and I tell people, go to the dog park and videotape other dogs. Mm -hmm. Not your dogs. Videotape other people's dogs because then you are not emotionally involved. I'm thinking, actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm thinking that this is not a bad idea for us to do, maybe on the Doggy Dish website, is Mm -hmm. go and do some videotaping or do some audio taping and maybe put some stuff up on, on the site where people could go in and listen to, okay, this is what this sounds like, mm-hmm. or this is what this looks like. That's not a bad learning tool, so maybe yeah. we'll follow that. Yeah, because but, once I pointed it out to my client, all of the things that the older dog was doing to tell him to back off mm-hmm. that he wasn't listening to, she said after that it was like, you know, she wasn't seeing it in as slow motion as we do, mm-hmm. but she was able to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. She was much more able to read the dogs and stop things before they got out of hand. But I think if people go to some place and they videotape other people's dogs playing and then they come home and watch it when they are not emotionally involved because it's not their dog, mm-hmm. I think they're going to get a lot more out of it. Well, some of the things that can get too aggressive or can turn into a fight with dog play is a dog that has a really over-the-top play style. And that can be literal, over the top, meaning jumping on the other dog's back, being really in the ear, right? you know, like growling in the ear, snarling, barking in the dog's ear, grabbing around the neck and the ears. Right. But it can just be a dog that comes in with both barrels blazing, even if he doesn't know other dogs. He just enters the scene and he is ready for a game and he's not ready to go through the niceties of dog-to-dog how do you do? So that can cause a problem, and that can cause a, can definitely get to the place of fighting. I used to work in a doggy daycare, free-run doggy daycare, and when you would have dogs that would need to come into the daycare 
spend some time by themselves and settle down enough to then be led into the yard. Because if you brought them in and immediately let them out into the yard with the other dogs, they just went out and were they were so excited and so over the top that they would just go right to the first dog they came to and start something with him. And go straight in and not do any of the, like you said, the subtle complexities of dog body language. The necessary niceties of meeting. Seriously lacking in social skills. Yes, absolutely. So that's one of those situations where if you have a dog that maybe didn't get a lot of opportunity with, because the way that you actually avoid problems like that is you allow your dog to have play sessions with dogs of an appropriate age and appropriate size and appropriate temperament type as they're growing up Mm -hmm. so that they learn and not always the same dogs all the time because if they always play with the same dogs all the time then they think that they can come in and instantly start a game the way you can interact with your friends your friends that you have relationships with is a lot different than the way you can act in a yard full of strangers so that would be the way that you would avoid that but if you have a dog that maybe lacks those social skills then they need some time to cool down before they hit that yard and that's a really good point because there are dogs that live together and play fine together because they understand each other and maybe they do a whole lot of wrestling or maybe they do a whole lot of over-the-top play and then they go and they meet another dog and try to play the same way and the dog gets offended and then it starts a fight right because the dog that's been playing that same way for a while with his housemate then comes in and goes what is your problem i play this way all the time this is how you play right this is how you play and then that brings up another good point that there are some breeds of dogs that have specific play styles that don't do well with other breeds of dogs. Like boxers. Like boxers boxers and Labradors, even though they kind of play differently, Labradors kind of don't take anything, you know, personally. They they do a lot of body slamming. They, you know, the kind of the more physical, the better. Physical. Right. Standard poodles and German shepherds tend to play well because they, they understand the grabbing of the back legs. You know, they play very similar styles. But you take a hound and put it with a standard poodle, you know, or a boxer or a Rottweiler, you're probably going to have some issues there until they get to know each other. You might, unless the dogs have really good social skills. Right. And I think maybe social skills is a really good thing for us to have a whole podcast about. But dog-to-dog interaction that's going to turn ugly a lot of times is a dog that comes in and starts a game, doesn't take no for an answer. And actually, when he gets a no answer, gets ticked. We see a lot of that, right? Yes. So you have, what that would look like is you have two dogs come together. One of them starts the play action. The other dog says, no, no. I don't play that way or back off, whatever. Right. And the first dog says, you can't say that to me. And gets angry, and now you have a fight. And the funny thing is, the hardest part of that, in my opinion, is dealing with owners. Because owners are so quick and anxious to assess blame. Your dog started it. And frequently, they don't really have a clear idea of who started it. Because it wasn't necessarily started. It was simply two dogs. It was a misunderstanding. Right. That do not relate in a similar fashion. And one takes offense. It's like a communication gap. So the person whose dog takes offense says, well, your dog started it because your dog growled at him first. And the person whose dog took offense, you know, the other person is saying, no, your dog started. Your dog's the one that... Your dog was a bully, basically. Right. And the truth is, there is very little to be gained by assessing blame and much more to be gained by learning about how to stop these things, to see these things coming and stop them. So if I'm... In a dog park, which I never am, (laughs) but I have on occasion because I've talked about them before to people gone and watched at dog parks. And what I have seen 
is maybe a dog that comes in and is running around with his tail all cranked up over his back. This is not necessarily a breed that would carry its tail up over its back, but a dog whose tail would normally be at neutral. Some dogs carry their tails high, so that's this rule doesn't work for them. But And that, that, comes, that can be deceiving to other breeds of dogs. That's the right. Dogs, dogs that don't have never seen a husky or a Shiba Inu or a pug, you know, whose tails are naturally up that high, they think the dog is coming on strong. And I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, your that's a very good point, actually. And and I think that's something that if you're aware of, you can then start looking to see. Now, okay, is there some edginess happening here? But when you see a dog come in, and all the dogs around tense. And I have sat on the outside of dog parks before and seen somebody bring a new dog in. And I've watched all the dogs tense up just a little bit. Everybody just steps a little bit taller. <laughs> They're a little up grow. on their toes more. Yeah. You know, that's probably going to be something not great. Now, would I run in and interrupt it immediately? No. If I was the owner of the dog that I brought in, I would start. I would take a look at my dog and see... Okay, what do I think's happening? What do I think he's sending out here? Because that's what people have the hardest time gauging, is their own dogs. So if you come in and all the dogs seem to have a negative reaction about your dog, it's probably something your dog is doing. And there are dogs like that that just kind of tend to bring the worst out in other dogs uh-huh. for some reason. You know, I was at a gathering of dogs in a horse arena, and there was one guy there with a dog, and... It was actually only because of him that we were allowed to be there. So nobody was going to tell him your dog is being over the top, really. But this was kind of put on by one particular person, a trainer. And this dog was too over the top Uh and just played really rough and got into a couple of squabbles with some of the dogs. And I had one of my more mellow dogs there. And so the trainer who put all of this together came up to me and said, what do I do? Because she's not, she hasn't been training that long, and I was kind of standing off to the side, and I could see what was going on, and because my dog would just go out and run around, and so I said, "Well, there's personality conflicts going on here. Some of these dogs are a little too intense, and that intensity is just changing the whole attitude of everybody." Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we removed his dog, and I went out with him and talked to him while she let the other kind of over-the-top dogs play, and then we removed some of those dogs. Mm-hmm. And we had my dog and a couple of the more mellow dogs go in and play with his dog. And his dog's demeanor changed entirely, like 180 degrees. Because once we got those other really intense dogs out of there and the dogs that were much... Because the, the other dogs that were pretty intense were also kind of adolescents mm-hmm. and played like adolescents do. So mm-hmm. we left her in with my dog and the more mellow adult dogs who just, you know, would tell her, we don't play that way. We don't play that way. And she wasn't a dog that was going to take offense. You know, she wasn't going to go after them because all of these dogs were very confident. And my dog was a very big dog. And he just went, yeah, no, we don't. We, we grab a toy and we run. We grab a toy, we play chase. We don't barrel over each other. And just the whole demeanor and the the whole feeling in the place changed once we took a couple of those dogs out. And that points out a very big truth that I think needs to be said, and that is not all dogs should play together. No. Even dogs that play well in a group might not play well in a different group that plays in a different way. And so... The assumption that when you take your dog someplace and there's a bunch of dogs playing that he's just going to go out there and play well, it's one I don't make. And I think my dogs are really good with other dogs. Yeah. But it's like expecting every person to get along with everybody. 
you have people you don't like. Right. I have people I don't like. Or even that you just don't necessarily mix well with. When you're planning yeah. a party in your home, most people give some thought to, is this going to be, if it's going, especially if it's going to be a more intimate party, is this going to be a homogenous group? Are these people who have similar styles who are going to be able to bring things to the table that other people are going to be okay with? You might have two friends that were very dear friends to you that had very, very opposite But they views. would not get along. But if you put them together in a room, it would not be pretty. Yeah. Right. But they're great. And, and they both are people that you socialize with other people with fabulously. So it's that kind of thing. And I think when you're watching rough play with dogs, rough play isn't a bad thing. Dogs learn a lot from rough play. Dogs learn about who is the strongest and who is going to take the lead in what situation and who is easygoing and who is less tolerant of things and what that means when a dog tells you no and what's expected. They learn about sending calming signals and they learn about diffusing problems in a good playground. Which is very important. Yeah. Learning how to diffuse the situation rather than taking it to the 100-mile mark. Right. And social play is one of the ways that they learn how to do that. But if you have a dog that you think, well, he loves everybody. Those words always worry me a little bit. Do yes. they win you? Yes. When people bring their dog over and they say to me, oh, no, he's fine. He loves everybody. That always is a little bit of a red flag for me. Because their idea of him loving everybody could just mean he wants to play rough with everybody. And my female Aussie might say to him, oh, no, not until we know each other. Mm. No, you don't You're just come in. You're taking a few privileges that you haven't earned yet. You don't just come in and smack me around and think that's a lot of fun. I don't think that's fun. Now, when we're good friends, I might think that's perfectly fine. Mm. I might be okay with that. So you might have a dog that would play rough under the right set of circumstances, but wants to have some basis of understanding with another animal before yep. they start that kind of play. My male Aussie would play with any dog anytime. He's just a happy guy, and he doesn't take offense. And my female, Willow, would say, oh, no, we need to know each other better than that before you start that. Does that make one dog not nice and one dog nice? No, absolutely not, because they both play very well. But it means I need to be smart about choosing who I put her with. And I need to be smart about gauging what the situation is. And I need to be smart about sometimes allowing her to sort that out and sometimes knowing that she's with a dog that she can't sort that out with. And I need to pull her out of that situation. Yeah, because it's not fair to her. Right. And rather than try to fix it or make it okay. Or make them get along. Gosh darn it. You're a nice dog and he's a nice dog and you're going to like each other. Right. So in that situation, I might decide, okay, they need to spend a little time around each other on a leash. Walking doing something together that they're not going to get involved in this really rough dog-to-dog -dog play. And that might be a good way to introduce them. How do you do, I know you have a lot of dogs that play with your dogs under your tutelage. Mm -hmm. So when you bring a new dog over, first, I know what you do. I know that you definitely gauge the dog to see, okay, what do I have here? And you choose, you cherry pick. Yeah. For who are you going to put them with, right? Exactly. And, and yeah, and, and it does go in an order depending on the dog. Right. You know, I mean, if it's a really timid dog, then I'll bring, then I'll probably bring Stoney out, my pit bull, who's just really nice and soft and easygoing. But I have to be careful with him because he likes to, to lick the dogs in the face. And that can be irritating <laughs> to other dogs. As we well know. Yes. Stoney has a notched tongue, by the way. Yes. 
compliments of another dog that he was licking in the face. Yeah, TikTok. I mean, it was just a matter of time. It's you know, there are dogs that are going to put up with that, and dogs that are going to say that's not funny. We think it's cute. Yes. But there are dogs that aren't going to think it's very cute because he adores other dogs, and like I said, he can get in their face a little too much, and that can really irritate other dogs. Yeah. So and be overpowering. In exactly. addition to just biting, they can just get overpowered. Yeah. And so, um, so I may or you know, I may or may not let him out first. When I had Sherman, Sherman was usually the first dog out. Sherman was just fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only word I could think of for him. It was mm-hmm. just fabulous. He was a big dog, shepherd mix, and he was just easygoing. And just and confident. And read, confident and read other dogs right. very well. Read yeah. other dogs very, very well. If another dog was nervous, he would just stay on the other side of the yard, sniffing around, eating grass, lying down, whatever, until the other dog got more comfortable. And he was a fairly slow-moving dog. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really a fast dog, and that helped him out, too, because yeah. he had slow, calm, relaxed movement. And I think that that was like an instantly something that dogs picked up on. Oh, yes. Okay, this is, he's not in, liable to charge over. And like you said, he was very confident. He was a very confident dog. But sometimes, you know, depending on the dog, I'll let Chip out. And Chip is my over-the-top, everything-is-fun guy. Right. He's my clown. But he's not and, really over-the-type in dog-to-dog interaction because I've seen Chip, and he can be very respectful. Yes, and that's why sometimes I will let him out because if a dog is too much concerned, you know, then he'll go, okay, whatever, and he'll go off on his own. And so he's kind of picked and up some like of... And look like he's having fun. Right, and so he's kind of picked up on some of Sherman's traits, but he does move faster, and he can change his mind and decide. If the dog starts to move around a little bit more, Chip will go, oh, you want to play? And he'll then he'll come over. Right, exactly. <laughs> really quickly. But then, but then if the other dog turns around and gives him a nasty face and says, no, no, then he'll turn around just as fast right. and go do something else. Right. I cherry pick also, and usually I put him with Hitch. And I call Hitch my swizzle stick because I can put him in anything and he'll just mix it around a little bit but not, <laughs> not overdo it. And I go kind of up the ladder from there to figure yeah. out who is going to be able to deal with who. But it always surprises me because of those choices that we make. And mm-hmm. I know, I've watched you make those choices. I know the kind of choices that I make. It's always surprised me when I go to a dog park and people just throw every dog together and go, here, get along. And they're surprised when there are squabbles. <laughs> And there are frequent squabbles. I mean, I've seen frequent squabbles at the dog park, and I've only gone infrequently. So I've I've never gone and gone, yeah, this worked really well. And when I worked in a free-run doggy daycare, there was always very careful management of who do we put out there, who is it that's going a little over the top. If we have a dog, if we had a dog that was out there, and they were getting too over the top, they were getting so aroused and so crazy, and they were starting to create a little bit of mayhem in the yard, we might put them away for a little while. That was not as a punishment. That was just to calm the yard down, to bring that energy to a manageable space. You want to see fun, but you don't want to see arousal. You don't want to see them going higher, 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 and it just doesn't seem like anyone knows how to stop. They just seem to be answering each other and stepping just a step higher. So, you know, this is a pretty big subject, so why don't we do a part two on this, and we'll talk specifically about what to look for and when to stop things. Right. What we do and do not accept. All right. Out of pretty much any dogs. Sounds good. Great. So this is Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhart with Hate Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com to learn more about our featured trainers 
or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.